Michael Waits Media, telling Asia's stories. Let's go. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. We are very excited to have Castitas Kemages. Pretty good, right? It is pretty well. <laughs> the CEO of Whatnot Startup Studio. Dude, it's so great to have you back here. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. Did you just get back from Europe? Yes. Uh, I was there for three months. What I was you supposed doing? to be there for like a month. Well, you know, after COVID, I wanted to go back and see my family. Uh, I went back to Lithuania. I did road trips with my grandpa. Really? To, yeah, like I, we saw every single ca- castle and manor house in Lithuania that like he hasn't seen before. That's yeah. awesome. How old is grandpa? 85, 84, 85. Oh, wow. Was it easy to get back? In other words, like what was the protocol? I, I presume you've been vaccinated. Yeah, I, I have. Uh, I have two shots, but uh, well, I kind of messed up a little bit. Tell me. Uh, because like I forgot to do the re-entry permit on uh, departure here. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. So I so so I so I didn't get the permission to entry anymore, and I was supposed to fly out of Zurich, and uh, I was spending like few weeks at my friend's house in France. Uh, so they bought like this old flat that they're renovating themselves. One of them is a musician, and uh, and his girlfriend is a, is an artist. And they're doing this in Zurich. No, no, they're doing it in southern France. Oh my god! And uh, and that's why, like, uh, actually, Teresa helped me to book uh, a ticket with her air miles. I know she's been offering me these air miles yeah, for like yeah, two yeah. years so now, used, right? So I used them. Actually, finally, finally, somebody uh, used her air miles. But you know, I cannot change the place where I'm flying out of. So oh. I was supposed to fly from Zurich, and my friends were uh, offering to give me a lift. And then I realized that I cannot fly back to Thailand because my work permit and my visa are dead. But what does that mean? So, but you have a proper work permit. Yeah. You actually have a BOI license as well, right? Uh, no, we don't have a BOI. Okay, but you have a proper work permit. Yes. So you're doing everything above board. Yes. But just when you left the airport, you forgot to go over to the yeah. side. And then they cancel. As soon as you leave Thailand, like your work permit, your work visa, everything is dead. Oh, like so from, they, so they from their it. so from their perspective, and they're not being mean or distrustful. They're just going, you left and didn't yeah, say you, you were coming back. forever, and you're never coming back. Oh. And, uh, and, then, <laughs> and then I realized <laughs> oh, that, oh, no. I messed up. <laughs> so, uh, and it was before November, so I could not uh, enter. My flight was supposed to be on, I think, 16th of October back to Thailand. Right. But I came back on 28th of November. That's like a few days ago. Yeah. Kind of. Last week. Yeah. Wow. So how did you finally get back in the country? Uh, well, I had to do another visa. Uh, I had to, uh, and it took me around a month because Lithuania does not have an embassy, of, like Thai embassy in Vilnius so we literally had I had to order it from Denmark and uh, I did an e-visa which took me like 35 days I I had to register myself in Lithuania because they said that like you need to have like a proof of address and I'm like I'm living in Bangkok <laughs> but I live in like, you, you, you can't be living in Bangkok and request a visa to Thailand I was like what do you mean <laughs> how, <what laughs> where do you else would I do me? it like how else would I do that exactly so 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 I had to go through a lot of like that nonsense oh. and um, and then yeah finally like I, I came back but um, that gave me an opportunity to stay a little bit longer with my family and then also 
uh, I went to Italy uh, for a few days. I I took a, a, a couple of uh, train trips to uh, yeah from Milan to Zurich. Yeah, I loved it. Wow. Yeah, I loved it. There's something really special and different about Europe, isn't there? Uh, yeah, I think that when I was back in Lithuania and when you're living in a small town, well, not a small town, but like my hometown is like 300,000 people. Right, but it's not like 12 million people and no. 18 million people on Tuesdays. It's Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that what I realized was that when I was growing up, it seemed to be that the people from other city, even from the other neighborhood, are right. so different. Yeah. Yeah, these are like uh, different cultures, right, like right, different right. species even. <laughs> and uh, then you, then I lived in London, you know, for around five years and then moved here. So now I can, like, when I'm meeting somebody who is from Europe, so they're like Greek or Italian or Spanish, right. they just see, oh, you're Lithuanian, so we're the same. Same. Right yeah, now, it's, it's gone completely the other way. Now it's not yeah. just like the next town is like a different animal. Exactly. It's like people from another country are just the same as I am. Yeah, we're just the same. Like, because like here in Bangkok, we are, you know, going through like a different experience, different culture. You realize, you know, differences between uh, like probably religious upbringing and many different, you know, things. Right, right, but right. Uh, then you realize that people who come from like Europe at least have kind of same, uh, same story. There's a framework, right? More than anything where like you're looking at the world through a lens that's at least similar, if not exactly the yeah. same. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Interesting. So tell me now that you're back, right? What's new? We haven't. So the last time we had you on the show was 2019. Right. And November yeah, 2019, so almost two years. Actually, a little more than two years if you just go by days, yeah? Yep. What's new? Quite a lot. I think that uh, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not... I think I grew up a little bit more. I think I matured and uh, developed a bit further. What, just during, this, just during this trip? Or you mean in the two years since last time? And we've spoken. In the, in the last two years. Yeah. Yes. We, like, I kind of started to understand a bit more about like myself and what I want and why am I doing this. Right. Uh, I did appreciate the value of asking more questions. And those questions are not, not only how you do something, how do you build startups, but also why are you in this? And uh, what's the point of you even doing this? Right. I think that I always have been trying to understand like, what's the point of me? Why I don't just get a job? You know, we discussed this last time and we always, you know, like when we meet for a beer or whatever. <laughs> we happens, always talk about this. We always talk about like, how come we are doing what we're doing? But uh, I think that it's not only just talking and thinking about this, but it's actions that you would take towards just becoming more yourself. Yeah, and I don't think it's that unusual particularly at your age, over a two-year span of time. And look, one of the other things that we talked about the last time you were on the show was this idea of operating under anxiety, mm. operating in a high-pressure environment. Yes. And when you're operating in a high-pressure environment, things by definition just they gestate faster, right? In a way, it's like the way coal turns into diamonds, if that's what really happens, because there's so much pressure on them. Now, it takes time. But it's that pressure that turns one thing into another. Right. And I think partially maybe that that's what's happening to you, but particularly because you're in this accelerated pressure environment. Building stuff from scratch, whether it's your ideas or somebody else's ideas, literally taking something from nothing. Yeah. There's no, 
there's no guidelines and you there's no fallback ropes. there's no fallback exactly yeah yeah <clears throat> and look, and Montes and I were actually talking about this this morning there's also no set way to do this so this is this idea that I've had actually over the last few years and it's starting to gestate perfectly for me or at least better than it used to and that is you can go read every book on how to build a startup at the end of the day there are no five easy steps to building one yeah there just aren't this is actually like the biggest change i think we just dropped every single system process that we had developed over years so you can i think i showed you this before but there's a word up there it says the non-dogmatic approach to building a company from scratch right yeah because there is no dogma i mean there is plenty of dogma right but i don't buy any of it well you see when i just started uh, I did not know how to do anything. Of course. So obviously you're looking for some sort of patterns. Uh, you're looking for structure, systems. Every single mentor that you meet seems that he has things figured out. Right. And then they tell you, you know, you have to start from, you know, your uh, vision or you have to like build a product first. Fill or out the should, startup you know, canvas. Market it yeah. or you have to build a business model canvas. Right, right, right. And you believe in them. But uh, I guess over time you realize that it might have worked for them. It doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Or even if it does work for you, you might hate it. And this is what I realized. Like actually following structures or patterns uh, made me feel like I'd, I'd rather have this to fail. But isn't that the reason why? And again, if you go back to the original conversation that you and I recorded, isn't that the same reason why? You said you graduated from university or you graduated from your studies. You went and you got a job, but you hated every second of it because of all the structure that was put in your place. You felt yeah. like you could accomplish more. It just seems that this is the correct way. Like this, right. this, this is what I was uh, like working with corporates as well, like uh, in the last couple of years, gave me a perspective on like how people imagine that you can build a startup. <laughs> right. There's some sort of golden formula like there's a path that you can follow because they are used to existing structures that have been already there and they've and they're looking for okay so what is that 10 step program to launching a successful product how do you avoid making mistakes and and you kind of believe in them and you think that there should be one and uh, i realized that even if i try to follow those i really don't like my work anymore like, I don't want to wake up in the morning and do the same thing over and over again just because I deep inside, I don't believe that there's a 10-step process, that there's a, you know, six-step program or whatever it is, right. that uh, if you do a business model canvas, then, like, you're going to actually have a business model. Because in most cases, I'm just looking at that sheet of paper and I'm like, what, what the hell is this? I wrote, I did it, I filled it out, and I still don't know anymore or have any action points than I did beforehand. I was exactly. telling, yeah, I was telling Matas this joke this morning as well, and I'll tell it to you. So Steve Martin had this great, Steve Martin was an American comedian. Yeah, you probably, too, oh, you do, okay. I know. And he, he would tell this joke, I think, during stand-up, and he'd say, how to make a million dollars in the stock market. Step one, get a million dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> Step two, don't put it in the stock market kind of thing. And that's how I feel that like all the dogma around startups is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, and I think that even more, like we were rebranding uh, recently. Okay. And uh, I think over the last like three months, we, uh, me, Justas and Matas, we 
just sat down and had the beer and we said that you know what let's just do a leap of faith that uh, doesn't matter where the business is going if it's not going the way where it makes you feel proud of what you're doing right if it doesn't make you tick it if it doesn't want you to like wake up in the morning and do double what you did yesterday right let's just not do it then yeah let's just do something else and uh and you know actually it's 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 been going well for us it's just that we felt that there's some sort of trap and that trap was i think that mental like boundary right that uh, we did need to work hard to overcome and i think that over the last three four months like uh, that was the main journey for me but it's also multi-layered right in other words if you look at what the original goal was of whatnot it was to work together with corporates and build yeah. ideas with them in a startup way yes fundamentally there's a conflict because First of all, the corporate feels like they have all the resources and all the leverage. But second of all, they, and it's not any particular corporate, but they're confused by their own success up until this point, which leads them to believe that they're going to be able to build stuff going forward. The only problem is that the methodology that's trying to be employed for them to build these new things looks nothing like the methodology they were using before, first of all. But second of all, they're taking for granted all of the resources that they already have and trying to use them to build into a new world, which doesn't always work. Yeah, I think that they, they read too much and they read too many things that uh, like are supposed to be the answer of like, what is innovation right. or what is, right, uh, right, right. you know, like how do you build something that scales fast and uh, how do you build something that people like or enjoy based on some sort of maths or like predictive right, analytics. Right. right. And uh, I just don't believe <laughs> it's not in the way that the, anymore, I guess. Right. It's not the way the world works at any level. But no, yeah, so they're going no, out and reading like, what is it, Tim Reese's The Lean Startup and then reading like Reed Hoffman or whatever, Blitzscaling. And they're just saying, they'll go like in chapter four, it says to do this and we're doing that. And you're like, yeah, but that doesn't apply to this business. Yeah, and then like, do you even care about what you're doing? Right. Like, I think that, like, this is where, as you just said before, like, it's a chaotic environment to start a new business because you're starting something new. Of course, it's going to be just darkness everywhere. <laughs> and you don't have any clients that you can, you know, bounce from. You don't have any feedback, any references. Right. You don't really have built a team that works together well. You don't know what helps, like, your people that you re you're recruiting tick. You don't know who to recruit. You don't really, like, if you trust and listen to how others did that, you might uh, just fail just because you were listening to how others did that. Right. So therefore, the more you're trying to hang on to somebody else's advice, the more difficult it actually is for you to discover your own way. But this is what it is to start something new. You're kind of operating on a blank canvas with nobody telling you that you, do, you should supposed to do this or that. Yeah, and one of the other issues that corporates have is that they think that they're starting businesses internally from scratch. I had a guy from Macquarie say this to me once. He goes, Michael, the only way to get ahead is to start a business from scratch inside of Macquarie. And I was like, okay, but you already have a gigantic tech team. <laughs> you already have all the market data. Like, you already have everything. You're not even really starting from scratch. But if you've never built a business from zero, zero, you think you have. 
And I think this is part of the problem when corporates move into the startup world. They think, we know how to do this. We do this every day. We've got products this year we didn't have last year. Yeah. But you still have the infrastructure that you've always had. Yeah, exactly. And you still have to follow a protocol. Right. You still have to follow, you know, expectations. And then there's executives and then there's, uh, you know, management team who all of them, they are experienced people in their own field. Yep. And uh, when you are trying to tell them that's like, you know what, let's just drop all of the knowledge and experience that you've had and look at the world as it is today and then just try to, you know, play with what's there, you know, now. Like you don't need to build like a giant website or a platform. Maybe Facebook is enough. Right. Maybe you maybe there's tools already out there that could help you to actually accelerate and kick off a business like in a couple of days. Right. Instead of trying to follow, you know, what worked for you before. Right. But these are people who are experts of doing it, you know, to this point today. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so so I I feel that this was this was harder than we expected, obviously. For like sure. We, we were thinking that, you know, because we're trying to achieve the same thing, like we're trying to build a business that will produce like some ROI. Right. Like it has to give, give you know, return on investment in one way or another. Yep. And that's what we want. And this is our success case. This is what you want. This is your success case. Right. So how hard it should be, you know, to agree on something. And then uh, along the way, you basically see that, oh, no, there's uh, so, many, so, so much more than that. There's politics. Oh, yeah, there's, there's uh, embedded procurement biases and all this stuff. Right? Legal. And uh, then there's like a lot and a lot of risk mitigation. And uh, the risk mitigation basically ends up killing any kind of, you know, right. fun in doing a business. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and I realized, you know, that like I am good at what I do just because like I'm quite I can tolerate a lot of risk like I can I know that like even if I fall down on my back like I will be able to get up again right so like I'm fine with you know tolerating like let's just do something that people might be angry at me for because it's I'm excited to see what's going to happen every piece of equipment that's in this room that you're looking at except maybe for the last two microphones when I bought them I couldn't afford them this is the kind of risk taking that you have to do. Yeah. Because in my business, I need to have good sound and good equipment. That camera, I couldn't afford it when I bought it. Mm. But inside of a corporate, they just won't budget for it. And they just won't do it. Right? Yeah. But I'm comfy with that risk. Yeah. Yeah. And at some point, it's not only the budget itself. Like, I think that it's... For sure. You will probably, you know, see from our latest branding that we just decided to go completely to the other direction <laughs> you not did. you know not not to the corporate you, you, di- you didn't you didn't take the pendulum and swing it back to the middle no <laughs> you swung no. it all the way the other way I, you're just like if I, if over here i'm wearing a three-piece suit over here <laughs> yeah. oh, come on it was it was a leap of faith the leap of faith means that like why why would you half-ass it no no no, no that no. means that like we that's why exactly we thought that you know what if if i'm taking you know the role of uh like being a CEO, because we did not have a CEO two years ago. We were like all three of us were just basically running startups. And uh, they kind of just as Matas made me do uh, <laughs> this. But, but, here's but then eventually I thought that like, you know what? I have to just maybe also listen to like, how would I build the studio the way that I would not want to get away from it? Right. But I kind of would want to do this like for Every my whole life. Every day until I die. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and I thought that then I really need to understand uh, 
once again what is my mission right. and what is the vision there because it's way more difficult than than Google makes it look like when you Google <laughs> what <laughs> mission, mission vision is. Exactly. Exactly. It's like explaining why you love somebody. It doesn't make any sense to anybody yeah, and else, it's, right? And it's way, like, I spent so much time just writing, like, sitting and writing, and I was sitting at night uh, back at my, like, uh, at my mom's place where I grew up, you know, right. where I spent my childhood. I was staying there, and I was just basically thinking, you know, if I would remember myself as a kid, and I look at myself now, right? like, what are the fundamentally things that keep me up? Right. Like, what are the things that, like, continues to keep me driving forward so maybe i have to look at that and really understand what are these things in order to be able to put together a vision and mission it right. cannot be just like oh we want sustainability or like these are these are weak and kind of empty promises yeah, well, you make to yourself yeah but maybe you just want a ferrari like are you right like, like, and why not say it exactly like just just admit but this is really hard because like you're going through so many filters and expectations from right. society, like what you should be like. And sometimes you're just not. And, uh, and, and I guess that being able to have the courage to admit to yourself that you're not how you should be. Right. Like not how you're expected how you, to be. But how you should be. Exactly. Right. Like what you're how somebody else should be, maybe. Right. But you're right. not how Kaz should be. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that this, this was... Uh, this was the hardest bit about trying to figure out the, the future for. Talk to me about aliens and wolves. <laughs> okay, that, that, was, that was like that article that we still even haven't published yet. But uh, Really? No, no, it was it's just It's on Medium though, right? It's on Medium, but it's my, I sent it to you privately, yeah. I didn't know that, okay. Like I'm just, I just edited a little bit. But because that, that was the outcome of uh, my uh, just rambling to myself. Like uh, sitting down at night, listening to music, like uh, having a wine and just like, you know, okay, as a kid, you know, what, what, are, what, what were the things that I was really passionate about? You know, like I... How did I feel? Exactly. How did I feel? Like what were, like I, you know, I started coming up with my own worlds uh, since I was seven. Like I was, I had my own empire. Uh, which was me and my dog were two emperors and I had my own language. I invented my own religion. I was basically, you know, like I, I was going through paperwork of my empire while, while I was back at my mom's house because there's like blanks of like financial reports right. in my own language, which I don't understand anymore. But I see that there's, you know, like there's costs and there's money, like there's spending on, on like budgets. <laughs> and As uh, a seven-year-old. It's like I, I started from like seven or eight and I had it till I was like probably 16. I, I used to play that game going into the woods. I spent a lot of time in nature. I yeah. grew up uh, in an environment which was like I didn't have a lot of kids around me. I had mainly forests. I had like, you know, ponds. Did you fields. feel did you feel like there was something really cathartic about having this whole experience? while in your childhood home yeah it it did like it did felt it did feel uh, like uh, i missed it i missed out on it a little bit when being away yeah i kind of forget my you know kid cass like yeah my child yeah. and me uh, always left playing with different ideas like there was always a, a little bit of controversy in me 
Like I, I love to push the buttons. I love to, you right. know, kind of like maneuver on the edge, whether it's a joke, whether it's, you know, how I behave uh, around, you know, different people. And that thing makes me feel quite comfortable with me as a human being. Right. But like, as you have to be part of the society, you really push it away. They squeeze it out of you. Exactly. They and steal your soul. So, so when I was, you know, going through those like empire journals, right, and I was like looking at the stuff that I was drawing, the little swords and and all of that, I was thinking, you know what? I'm kind of doing a little bit of this in my daily job. Like this is what I'm pretty good at. Like I, I'm, I'm creative. I see that like creating new ideas and new business ideas is very easy for me, but I always assume that it's easy for everybody. Which I didn't not. really value, you know, that this is something unique or this is something good about me. Yeah, but practically nobody can do it really well. Well, I didn't. I thought that it's just so simple. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I never to you, the world that looks that way. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, I guess when you, are, when you have some sort of uh, anxiety, that we discussed before and right. you have anxiety about yourself you have perfectionism you don't really appreciate that something that looks easy to you might not be that easy to somebody else and this is where you can actually build on and this is where you can provide value back to the society but only if you let it go like only if you like uh, reconnect to who you are and and appreciate the qualities of your own that uh, might be rare to find and that's why I really wanted to ask that question about having this experience in your childhood home, because it can evoke these feelings of when I was a kid in this room, I had that feeling. And like I said, like when you go out into society, society like little in little bits and pieces just takes away your soul. Yeah. And when you go home, you can get it back. I think sometimes. I think that, uh, it did a little bit of that. And I think that I just decided, you know, that I'm not giving away. Uh, my soul yeah um well in a way i'm i'm giving away but on my own terms right 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 like, fair enough though right? i want to like i feel that i always saw startups as art like it, for me it was a form of art and um this is where i kind of you know you you can compare designers versus artists and i think that steve jobs also like said something about this before where he said that he doesn't care what his customers want. He said that, like, I know what I have to build for them. This right. is like, you know, this is part of my future vision, what I need to create so that, that, that I need to build something that my customers don't know that they need and they don't know that they want. Right. And this is more of like an artist perspective that Absolutely. like I want to create a world the way how I want to create the world. Right, the way I see it in my yeah. head, in my imagination. Yeah, and I think that a lot of uh, articles that you would find on uh, startups or uh, on starting a business actually comes from the designer's perspective, that like, what do people want? want? How do you understand, you know, what exactly you should build to match their expectations? Like, how do you research what is trending now? And yeah. Yeah, but I kind of felt that like, I'm not the, I don't really care what people want, Right. I will really care about things how I imagine the world that should be. So there's a through line here, right? I think it was Henry Ford who said, if I gave my customers what they wanted, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would all tell me faster horses. Yeah, exactly. And all the way through to Steve Jobs, who said exactly that, right? I don't do focus groups because the stuff that I'm building has nothing to do with the framework that other people, through which other people see the world. 
and I see it differently. And I'm trying to build that overall vision. I'm not trying to build one product here and one product there. Yeah. I'm trying to build something very different and I can't ask you what you want because you have no idea. Yeah. Right, so same thing, I think. And I think that this is where, this is where I also uh, came to a conclusion that uh, there's, you know, there's different types of startup studios. Let's say there's different accelerators, incubators, startups, businesses, there's plenty of them. You won't be all of them. You can only be, you know, what you can be. You can only take your own niche. You yeah, can only, you know, figure out that like, well, if, if I know that I work best when I'm inventing my own world. Right. When, I'm, uh, when I see that startups are basically going to a direction of what would I like left to leave after myself. Right. And uh, that makes me happy. That makes me like want to wake up in the morning with some level of excitement because like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I did this stupid idea, you know, like <laughs> it's never going to work out, but you're, you know, you're waiting for the results. You're waiting for what's going to come out of that. Otherwise, uh, you might be doing something that uh, might bring you some cash in, but you don't really care if you're good at it or not. Right. And I felt that it's more important for me to go to the direction that uh, feels uh, like my own niche that uh, I feel comfortable in yeah. uh, rather than trying to be everything for everyone. So you have known your business partners, I mean, essentially since you were a kid. Yeah. Right. Since like 16, just so even longer. Longer. It's almost two decades. Yep. Think about it. So you guys trust each other. You argue with each other. In a way, you're like closer to being brothers than you are to being friends. <laughs> True. <laughs> Sometimes you're each other's parent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just, it's that close. You can see it when you're around you. So the conversation with your partners was probably not that difficult because they probably felt the same things you did. Like, yeah. you know what? We're not, we're not living to our vision. We're just not. So let's change. But you've accumulated a pretty good-sized team of people yes. who bought into this vision that's now changing. Was there some – stress is the wrong word, right? Was there some extra effort that was needed to convince everybody else that you're changing tech? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. Like, it's a process. I think that the main change that we're doing is not about what we're doing. We're still a startup studio. Yep. We're still working on multiple ideas. Yep. We're still looking for entrepreneurs and residents. We're, you know, we have our, like, marketing team that is working right. hard to make sure that these startups grow. We still have, you know, some investors. So that doesn't change. The main change is in how do you approach it? And this is which takes time to actually explain to your team. Right. I think that... Um, yeah, because to them, it may look the same. Right. Like, you just have ideas. You're trying to fund the ideas. You're trying to build them. If it doesn't yeah. work, you don't do it. You're like, yeah, but it's different now. Yeah, but I, but, but I felt that, like, it helped me. So it's uh, easier for me to then start, like, talking with to each one of them individually because I'm right. just starting to relax. Like, I don't... I wanted to do like other people do, you know, weekly meetings, daily meetings, there's a scrum meeting, then you like kind of progress, project management, product management. You don't like I that? I cannot, I cannot, I just can't, I just can't. I can't even do, you know, meetings with uh, more people than one-on-one. -on -one I know. Because like, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I can't have shallow conversations. Like, because if I have shallow conversations, I just leave completely uninspired. And I thought that, you know, I should begin from taking actions to execute the vision and mission of mine, like that change of mine on my own first. 
So for example, I'm trying to speak with everyone in my team passionately. Like I try to just, uh, like if I don't feel any kind of passion when I'm talking with a, with a person about the work that they're doing, uh, I try to look for like what's wrong, you know, like I need to like say that, like I need to, I, I need to, you know, like find something differently. And passion also comes from like, you know, trying to dig deeper into like, do you care about the output of your work? And you know what would make you care? Right. Like, what would be that thing? And a lot of people don't really ask, or they they're not used to asking these questions. And I see that like that helps me to at least like start getting to this to this direction of. So I think one of the reasons why you and I could be friends, just one of the reasons, is because even as a little boy, right, I just could not have shallow conversations. Yeah. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I don't know what to say. I don't know like the silliness things to say. And because I'm so interested in other people, I actually have real things that I really want to know about you. I mean, think about it. I was really curious when you were telling this story about being in your mom's house, that experience of like trying to get that spirit back of that little boy who was making up his own empires with his dog and trying to get that back. Like, it's really curious to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that and you can feel it, and and it's and it's really scary. You, you, I think that the scariest thing is that when you're trying to do something with your whole heart, yeah, it's uh, well, it exposes you. It's like it's like Homer Simpson said, you know, if you if you try and fail, try to you know delete any evidence that you ever tried. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and and I feel that this is this is the way how we, in a way, end up acting that. Uh, because if, if we really tried to do something that we cared about right. and if we failed at it, it's much more painful compared to trying to just distance yourself and or like, you know, just saying that like, well, this is how it's supposed to be done. It did not work out and right. it's fine. And but I didn't care you, anyway. When you pour your heart in this thing right. and it fails, this is scary. So I feel that like I, that's, the, that's the kind of risks that I want to take. Like, okay, like. I'm going to try to just pour my heart out to like people that I work with to into the projects that I'm making. It doesn't matter what we're selling, you know, the bidet sprayers from Japan or are we, you know, <laughs> are, are, are we reselling? Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, you know, secondhand homes in, in Bangkok or are we building a bar? Anything that's like we're building, that means that it has to have part of me, part of my soul. And uh, it has to matter to me. Like, I want to be scared of this thing to fail. Right. Not because, like, I would lose money over this, but that it would actually be something so personal. That you cared. That did not work out. That because, you cared. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, I just feel that uh, it's pointless. At least for me, it's pointless work. So I definitely think we should build a startup bar somewhere. Oh, that's already in the making. Oh, I just want to be an investor or... I want to be the bartender. So, so, so we'll have to talk about this soon because it's, it's one of the projects that we're putting together. I think you have to do it. And I think you could make a few of them, actually. Yeah. And it's the perfect time. It's the perfect timing. And we could do some amazing stuff in there. Right, look around the office, okay? So we've got cameras, lights, green screens, microphones, audio mixer, obviously a computer. Think about the amount of fun, but also just the ideas that can get generated. The green screen allows you to create your own empire. If you haven't played with one, highly recommend it yeah. because it allows you to think in a way that's different because it opens up a space yeah. 
that doesn't really exist. You can do this in a bar. It'd be so much yeah. fun. We, we already have it. Like, we're actually looking for the space. Like, we're now looking for the space that we could really renovate from scratch. Uh, I didn't, you know, uh, kind of tell you what the mission and the vision like, uh, for me is. And uh, tell we're me. basically building startups for uh, nature and culture. This is where the wolves came in. Uh, I kind of was writing and I remember that uh, I really loved watching documentaries about wolves. Right. And in one of them, I saw how, uh, I think it was in Yellowstone Park, yes, where scientists tried to revive nature for quite a while because like there was like I, th I think it, like the ecosystem started to collapse and then for 20 years they spent like billions trying to figure out you know what kind, what are the right trees to plant uh how many you know dares they should allow the hunters to hunt and, right. and, and 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 you know manage that ecosystem and then they let in like a pack of wolves right and then it it kind of revived it all. Everything went back to normal. Magically, within like five years, <laughs> right. it was back to normal. Like right. even the rivers were cleaned because like of how much uh, uh, wolves created of an impact on the nature and environment like itself. And I was really fascinated by that. And I, because I grew up in nature, right. like it, I really cared passionately about that. And therefore any projects that are towards sustainability, uh, reutilizing, repurposing, space or whatever it is was interesting for me so the bar would have part of that and then the other part was that i love what i love about people and trust me i'm not that good with people uh, but what i do love about them is the culture is the art is uh, the movies the self-expression something you know saying something that is really really complex this is thematic for you though right in a way it's not even the people that you like it's the depth of the things that they produce. And by definition, yes. they're connected to those people. Otherwise, they couldn't produce those things with depth. Is that fair? That's fair. That's the depth of it is really important, I think, to me. And I think that this is why, like, if we are, if we are starting a bar, that means that, first of all, like, we would kind of try to, like, take a place. Uh, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a space that we could buy, uh, which uh, would be somewhere in maybe Old Town in Bangkok, uh, a house that does need love to be re like returned to its previous glory right, or right. Uh, like some sort of like really old story uh, that with the right type of eyes and the right type of hands, you can actually make it look amazing. Yeah. And uh, it should focus on like, it's this, this is the sustainability angle. Like, uh, you know, the, the greenest house, is always the one that is already built right and instead of letting it die you should try to save and rescue and bring it to another uh, life this it, is what we really want to do and secondly it's the culture it's it's those sparks that might happen with people there yeah. it's uh it's watching art it's uh having you know long conversations it's uh, it's coming up with new ideas and new projects that hopefully might you know change something yeah or at least spark another idea will there be will there be wolves in the bar well, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Let's, I hope so. <laughs> well, we really, like, I, I'm pretty sure that, like, I need a dog. Like, that's, that was also one of the things that I took back from my childhood home. Right. And, uh, and really, like, my friends were making fun of me that, like, you're 34 and you don't own a dog. <laughs> Wait, they, they were making fun of you because you don't own a dog. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, Jesus Christ, like, get, like pull yourself <laughs> together, man. You're really not organized yeah. with and this then, life thing. Yeah, this, this was like me just trying to be like, oh, well, sorry, like I'm planning, I'm thinking about it, but I'm like, just like maybe the time wasn't right. 
Do you find all this, and I'll leave you with this thought, right? And then we'll definitely have to have you come back in the studio again. But do you feel this really liberating? Like once you make this decision that I'm no longer going to do the things about which I do not care, do you find it liberating? Yes. I think that it was... uh it's it's really scary because you don't know what it is like you don't know where 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 do you begin from like how do i then now do things that i care about it seems that i don't care about anything or i care about everything at the same time but uh once you just keep repeating that to yourself every single morning that's like well i don't have to go to office tomorrow today right what do I want to go there for? Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, my anxiety always begins in the morning and then like I become like way more relaxed during the afternoon hours. Yeah. But I just try to like kind of look at it differently now is, is that I don't really need to be in the office at 8 or 10 or 9 or 12. Nope. I don't need to be there at all. But what is the thing that I really care about? Like, and uh, I think this way over time you start to really liberate yourself a bit more and more and more i think we spend a lot of our lives we everybody has their own sort of demons and the things that they think about and the things that scare them and make them uncomfortable but it gets worse when the people around you are telling you you're wrong about this you're wrong about that you're wrong about this yeah, but that's always going to happen. Like it's, it's everyone is going to be that. Of like, course, of course. Especially people who are insecure about themselves. That's they my will point. Try to bring you down. But that's my point, though, is that the liberation comes partially from not caring and listening to everybody who's telling you you're definitely wrong. Yeah. 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 I think that it's, it's just like you have to get into a competition against yourself. Right. Like, uh, like I don't care like how others managed to do this thing. Like, yeah. Am I doing this better this year than I did it last year? And then like next year, you just try to get better than you were today. And then everybody else just kind of vanishes and disappears. And then you just like kind of focus on exactly. really trying to be the best version of yourself that you would feel proud of by the age of like my grandpa is. Yeah, like I don't want to be some crappy version of some other person. Yeah. I really exactly. don't. I just want to be the best version of Michael. Yeah, that's it. And, and I have people come to me all the time and it used to bother me, but it really doesn't anymore. And they would say things like, you know, there's a guy in, uh, in Indonesia who's doing what you're doing and he's already got like a million listeners. And I'll be like, but now I don't care because that guy, first of all, doesn't exist. But second of all, he's not building what I'm building. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's not you. You exactly. know, like the most important thing is that like you could look back at your life and think that, you know, I'm proud of what I've done. Yeah. And and this is very difficult. I think this is this this is one of think uh, one of the biggest lessons that I've got traveling with my grandfather through those castles. How like, awesome in is Lithuania. that? Yeah. He I was listening to what are the things that he remembers the most from his life. Yeah. And there's uh, three major themes. One theme is adventures. So, you know, I fell as a kid, like we got into this thing and uh, we got out of this, like something that gave you like a rush, an adrenaline rush. Right. Like you do seem like it does seem that it did create some sort of like whether it's negative or positive, but it did create like vivid memories. Right. Second thing was uh, love, like your family, like your first kiss, like your, you know, your wife. Uh, your kids, like those things, like those moments that like uh, that they, that you really dedicated open heartedly right. to people that you love seem to also, you know, be something that really st- stick with you. 
And finally, it was moments when you're proud of your work. Uh, this was like he is like he remembers when he said, you know, like I'm not gonna listen to what my boss is saying because I know better. And then he and now he's like, it's just for this reason, this like you know pipeline right. is still out there because like I stood up for myself and I really really defend it and I care about it. And um, and you and you notice that okay, like these are three things. Everything else is kind of like there's not a theme that you would notice, but these three things uh, like made me think about my life and how am, am, am I building my own. And I thought that I should kind of focus on three things that you end up remembering most uh, when you are 84 or 85. You know that's the perfect way to end this episode. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks for doing this, Kes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs>